What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the August 2nd edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, but you can call me John, and I am joined by the man who took a second shot at Cupid, the king of the courtside, the courtside king. He does not get that reference. No. Joey, what's up, buddy? (laughs) No, that one went above my sleepy head today. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter. Uh, pardon me, X, whatever whatever the heck we're calling it. X and Facebook and threads at OTN Media on threads and Instagram. It's actually OTN underscore media. Uh, we're currently suing the other people that have OTN Media without the underscore. Uh, that lawsuit is fake. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go with that. While you're on Twitter slash X slash threads slash Instagram, Make sure to follow Joey and myself at Courtside King at Fiasco. If you're watching here live on Twitch, what up? This is the coolest place to be, and you're here on a Wednesday night because you have nothing else better to do. Hope you have your popcorn ready. Uh, that is at Courtside King and at Fiasco. Uh, you can see that here on Twitch in front of your screen. If you listen to the podcast version, show notes below will have those handles for you as well. And Nation, while the live show on Twitch is the place to be, we do offer the show in podcast form. Check out the Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. It is so simple. Just type in the Level Up podcast, and boom, we're there. It's like magic. It's weird. Extra credit. Amazon Prime subs, uh, use that on OTN Media, and Joey will personally fly out and give you a hug. Uh, so do that today. Do it often because it happens once a month. That You can get a <laughs> hug from Joey once a month by doing that. Uh, so I can't think of a better way to do it. What other content creator out there is flying out to your home to give you a hug? None. That's how dedicated Joey is. Simple as that. All right, Joey, uh, aside from you flying all over the world to hug our Amazon Prime subscribers, uh, what are we talking about today on this show? That is a great question, John. Uh, At the top of the show, we're going to run through a few earnings reports, Sega, Sammy, and EA on the news there. Then we're going to dive into some new hardware up and coming. We have Lenovo coming out with a new, um, let's call it Steam Deck competitor, kind of a handheld PC gaming system. Uh, PS5 beta rolling out as well with some nice little quality of life improvements there. Nintendo, some news on their next-gen console, some Xbox changes, and more. On top of that, diving into some up-and-coming games, we have Starfield, Baldur's Gate, and others in the notes today. All right. So before we can even dive headfirst into today's show, Joe, we have to talk about our drink of choice. Uh, I am slacking. Uh, We both had very long days. Uh, We both just got home as well. Uh, because of those long days. So um, what in the world are you drinking <laughs> for, for tonight's rushed episode? I grabbed a LaCroix out of here. Uh, it looks like it's oh. lime flavored. Oh, there you yes. go. Okay. It's dripped on my keyboard. You're good. Um, uh, this beautiful cup right there that's like 80% empty right there, that is Coca-Cola Zero uh, because that's the first thing I grabbed. It was actually closer than the water faucet. So, uh, yeah. Coke Zero. That's what we're rocking with today, Joey. We have our topics. We have our beverages. Uh, bedtime is right around the corner. I am definitely looking forward to that. I am exhausted. I know you're exhausted. But first, we have gaming and esports news to talk about. So, Joey, let's go ahead and hop into gaming and esports news. And, of course, this segment is presented by GamerBytes, Bite Size Gaming, and esports <laughs> news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today. He was on. He was on target today. 
He was on the ball. He may have stayed late at work, but he got the link in chat. Joey, I am so proud of you. Check out that link in chat uh, for the GamerBite sign-up if you listen to the podcast version. Show notes will have that link for you as well. Uh, great articles in there. Everything from the Xbox cheese diffuser. Uh, and we ask a very important question as well. Does pineapple scented oil belong in the pizza diffuser? Uh, chat, feel free to give your opinion, but also subscribe to the newsletter and give your feedback that way as well. Joey, let's get into gaming and eSports news. Let's go. Absolutely, guys. We're going to get the business talk out of the way up front. So just taking a look at some of the earnings reports, it's about that time, late July through pretty much late August, we hear from a lot of the big gaming companies, your console makers, your big publishers, uh, a few of those coming out this week. So just diving into their revenue. Sega Sammy quarter one revenue was at $756 million. That's an increase of 63% year over year. How's Sega doing? Sega's doing pretty darn well. Operating income is up 712% to $158 million. Some quick highlights. Strong quarter for their pachinko machine business. Not quite video games there, uh, but the old pachinko shames in the arcades are doing pretty good. Uh, games business saw a slight increase. Your video game business, that is, 2% year-over-year revenue. Sonic Games making up a decent chunk of that, selling a 1 million-plus copies. Uh, they sold a total of 487 million, 4.87 million, very, very big difference there, uh, games in quarter one. That is down 370,000 from last year. couple other highlights for Sega. 12 new games are planned to be launched within fiscal year 24. So they just ended quarter one. They now have three more quarters to release those games. I'm not going to do the math here because I'm exhausted, but I think that puts them somewhere <laughs> around a March, April uh, end of that fiscal year. So somewhere around 12 games to come between now and then. And last but not least, their staff grew to 8,450, up 440 staff over at Sega. Uh, John, I, just to go with a kind of current trend we've seen in gaming, especially in Asia, uh, Japanese publishers have done extremely well over these last couple of years. It took them a little bit longer to, I would say, rebound after COVID compared to a lot of the other publishers in other, uh, like Europe, pretty much other continents in general, maybe not South America as much, um, but definitely a jump over Europe and North America. Now we're kind of seeing the delayed reaction to it over there in Asia and especially in Japan. Capcom just turned in some really good earnings and now Sega with some pretty good ones as well. Though, again, not all video game based. A lot of that being from Pachinko Machine Business as well. Gotta love Pachinko Machines. Have you ever played Pachinko? I think I have. I don't remember. I know you've made me play a bunch of those like Japanese arcade games, but I honestly can't remember which ones were which. Yeah, I think it was at Katsukon um, when we played a little because they actually that had some legit right. like pachinko machines there. Uh, shout out to Katsukon. Uh, I kind of want to go again when it comes back around in February. Uh, it's, it's always fun because it takes place right before CPAC. And there's that <laughs> awkward crossover on Sunday with all the like stingy middle to late aged white guys showing up for CPAC. And then like everyone cosplaying with their cat ears on going, ooh, ooh, senpai. Absolutely love that. That like that three-hour crossover between Katsukan attendees leaving and CPAC coming in. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It is definitely a bit of an age difference, to say the least, and just the interest difference. I mean, just imagine, guys, people in full cosplays versus a lot of older dudes walking in for a political conference. It is quite the combination, as John said. And John enjoys it a little too much, in my opinion. Uh, he really escalates it quite a bit when we're down there, but it is definitely a good time year over year. Uh, next up, the last bit of businessy stuff here. Uh, EA, their quarter one, how did it look? The revenue at $1.92 billion, up just about 9% year over year, with a net income up at $402 million, 
and that's up 29% from last year. Record quarter one driven by FIFA 23. Uh, I really liked EA on the earnings call. They joked that that will be the last time they say the name FIFA. Uh, after we kind of talked about that a few months ago, they broke up with FIFA. And now we have EA Sports FC taking over as the title of their franchise for soccer or football, depending what con- company or company country you live in. Uh, tired Wednesdays. Uh, and then Star Wars Jedi Survivor, obviously a big game there. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order previously did really well sales-wise for them. Jedi Survivor as the sequel doing quite well also. Uh, live service revenue for them reached $1.18 billion, 75% of their total revenue. You guys want to know why everyone is moving to live service? Including someone like a PlayStation who has relied so heavily on single-player games before then? It's because EA just did $1.18 billion in freaking live service revenue. Uh, I mean, John, that's just astounding. We make fun of all these battle royales, and then it became like your, um, I can't even think of what they're called. The uh, extraction shooters is like the new keyword, but battle passes are freaking everywhere, and you wonder why? This is exactly why. 75% of a giant company like EA's revenue coming in here, over a billion dollars just in live service stuff. Yeah, um, and I hate it. I, I hate that the that battle royales and battle passes uh, do this. I mean, it, it's a smart business decision, and, and EA is capitalizing on it as well. I mean, it, it makes sense. But battle passes, um, like it just it, it makes sense. You incorporate it into FIFA F or EA Sports FC, whatever the heck we're calling it now. You incorporate it into Madden. You incorporate it into pretty much any game. I mean, Joey. <clears throat> Even the mobile game I'm still playing, this is probably the longest I've ever played a mobile game in my life, Marvel Snap has a technical battle pass every single month. Uh, battle passes work. Battle passes are priced perfectly at $10. Uh, I can justify 10 bucks every month. Heck, I can justify 10 bucks on a mobile game every month. I can also justify $15 for my WoW subscription. Uh, so, yes, if it's perfectly priced, people are going to buy it. It makes sense, and that's why revenue is through the roof is because it is so perfectly priced, it's easy for people to justify 10 bucks yeah, or it, $9.99. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me to think about just between like games like Fortnite and Apex and Destiny, how much money people just spend on cosmetics. Oh, gosh, I left out League of Legends. Uh, you of and I have spent a decent amount on that one as well. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's crazy to me to think about. Like, this was not a thing a few years ago. <clears throat> like, I mean, you think when we were in high school or whatever, map packs were about the most DLC thing you got. There was a little bit of cosmetic stuff here and there. But since then, over this last decade, it has really ballooned uh, into a complete business with EA making over a billion dollars just doing that part. Absolutely wild. Uh, A few other numbers here on the EA side of things. Console revenue is up 41% year over year. So the Xbox PlayStation players are buying quite a bit. They don't have too many games over on Switch, but a couple of those contributing as well. Uh, They did, however, cite lower than expected performance of Apex Legends Season 17. I, for one, had no idea uh, that Apex Legends was already on Season (laughs) 17. But even that lower than expected performance, they're still making live service revenue somewhere. And that is definitely one of their bigger live service titles. So I feel like they probably just expected a little bit too much there, but pulling over a billion is still plenty on the side of live service. And last but not least, full game sales are up 143% year over year. Again, a lot of that being driven by Jedi Survivor, uh, and that moves to $401 million in full game sales. Wowzers. Um, I I mean, just in summary, I think both did pretty well. Both are up year over year. Uh, some healthy percentages across the board. Sega lacking a little bit in the gaming side, only up 2%, but that comes after a pretty healthy Q1 last year as well. Uh, I think these have some 
Uh, pretty big games coming in the near future. Obviously, on the EA side, you're going to have the new look at what their soccer title looks like. I have a feeling it's still going to be very copy and pasted from what we've seen in previous FIFA titles. Uh, just some rebranding, some new deals as well as far <laughs> as content involved in it. Um, but I wouldn't have too crazy high of expectations. On top of that, they should be revealing. I think there's a fighter title that hasn't been revealed yet that should be dropping from EA uh, within this fiscal year as well. <clears throat> oh my gosh, he's a crackhead. Um, okay, John, next up, let's talk portable PC devices. Everyone has their Steam Deck that wants to get into this market. It feels like Asus Rogue also jumping in into the hands of many players. Uh, John, Lenovo is going to be the next one to join that Windows PC gaming handheld market. Uh, what are your thoughts on someone else entering the space and with that someone being Lenovo? Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people swear by Lenovo and their computers, and that's completely fine. I'm not a huge fan. Um, they do have a decent product that is, uh, I would argue, more entry-level um, for uh, gaming PCs. Uh, the, the issue with going into handheld is you're always going to have to compete with anything Nintendo does, and you're going to have to compete with everything Nintendo has done for the past 40, 50 years as well. Uh, the Game Boy in itself is still played. I still use my Game Boy Color. It still works. Nintendo puts together a really good product that lasts for a while. Okay, time out. Going, what are you playing on your Game Boy Color nowadays? Bro, I still I got my original Pokemon Yellow with Pikachu following me around. I have a Kirby game. In uh, in in the, the the limited edition Kirby game, I'm I, I'm forgetting which version of Kirby it was, but it came in a uh, translucent pink case game case for it. Uh, so I have that one. Uh, I got a couple other games. I can't remember what it was, but those are the two that I've been switching back and forth between. I'm this close to breaking out my Sega Game Gear because that thing was still <laughs> a beast. Uh, and I still have a ton of Sonic games I want to play on it. Um, but yeah, but 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 my, my point is, is that Nintendo puts out a quality product. Nintendo already has such a stranglehold on the handheld market. It's really hard to beat it. And really, the only way to beat it or come close to it is by going mobile because everyone has a phone. You reach more people because pretty much everyone has a phone. Not everyone has a Game Boy or a Switch or whatever Nintendo's put out there. But when you're going up against Nintendo, you are starting almost 50 years behind trying to break into that base. It's tough. It's going to be really, really tough. And Lenovo has to put together a good product at a good price and have good games on their system as well to rival Nintendo. That's going to be the hard thing to do. That's a massive uphill climb. Now, I think the one advantage these handheld computer devices have over Nintendo is the processing power. I mean, we look at the Nintendo Switch, it is hella behind what the PS5 and Xbox Series consoles are putting out. On top of that, the rumored Switch 2 or whatever they end up calling it is supposed to be on the same power level as an Xbox One or a PS4, which are now, what, six, seven, eight years old hardware? It feels like definitely quite a while. So when it comes to processing power, when it comes to those bigger, higher, more fidelity graphics, I think these new handheld PCs will have a little bit more fight. But coming in as a third party here, again, Lenovo makes some pretty solid laptops. I've had a Lenovo laptop in the past. I didn't use it as much for gaming. It was more professional based, um, but it was a pretty solid laptop. It did what it needed to, clean design. Now, as a handheld, going up against someone like Steam, who has that full connectivity to Steam, I think makes this a little bit harder. Now, you can argue Steam runs on Proton and everything versus that full-fledged Windows that this Lenovo device will probably run on. So maybe it loses some compatibility in certain areas. Um, but overall, if I'm a PC gamer and I'm tapping into a library, you want to be able to get Steam. So depending on 
how this Lenovo device, and again, I don't really know too much about the Asus Rogue either, um, but how they kind of tap into that Steam development market where a lot of those people's libraries probably live, that or Epic Game Store. And I would argue that probably 70 or 80% of those libraries are on Steam over what people have in the Epic Game Store, the Windows Store, whatever other launchers are out there. Um, that to me is the big advantage over Nintendo Switch, but the hard comparison to make up against the Steam Deck. So it's one we'll keep an eye on. Again, handheld computing. We also have the other options out there like the Logitech G Cloud, the Razer Edge uh, that are kind of somewhere in the middle of that. They're more like cloud gaming handhelds. Uh, and as we have been over many, many times before on this show, cloud gaming hasn't quite taken root yet unless you're the CMA over in the UK who thinks it has for those 5,000 or so gamers that play on it in the UK. But overall, statistically speaking, it looks like there's still a lot of room to grow on that front. Anything else to say about computer handhelds, John? Good luck. Good <laughs> luck. Uh, next up in the news is a little PS5 beta hand or beta support rather coming out. Uh, this one rolling out to some users very soon. It's going to include Dolby Atmos support for those with kind of those living room surround sound systems, maybe a sound bar, maybe some side speakers. Uh, Dolby Atmos is phenomenal. Uh, I've used it on Xbox consoles before, and I really like it for. Again, it doesn't fit into every situation, but certain like surround sound based areas, I feel like it works very well in. Uh, on top of that, they're also rolling out eight terabyte of M.2 storage. Uh, so if you are looking for those bigger storage devices, they will now have an M.2 that will be supported uh, with up to eight terabytes as well. Again, I mean, this is something I feel like is just going to be a trend as we continue moving forward with consoles. Not only Dolby going to more devices, which I'm glad it is, and I hope PlayStation eventually gets Dolby Vision as well for kind of those brighter graphics, uh, that larger array rather out there to tap from, but the storage as well, John. I mean, freaking Call of Duty is what, 150 to 200 gigabytes now? Jedi Survivor was a good juicy 75, 60 something juicy. in that range. I mean, a lot of these games are freaking ginormous. Like, that is one thing. Like, graphics have improved, yes, and some of these stories are bigger and deeper and longer, and that's great. But did everyone forget how to shrink things down? I feel like we've just gotten to the point where we're like somewhat optimize a game, somewhat just launch them, and then we'll shrink them as we go. Other ones, I feel like I literally have no idea if Call of Duty copies over files. I feel like every season they're just like, nah, we're just going to leave all that content how it was. We're just going to throw another layer of icing on top of it because that thing just grows and grows. And I think I have it on here. It's like literally 175 to 200 gigabytes I think that thing takes up. So for a lot of people who started out with somewhere... I think the PlayStation base hard drive was 800 megabytes. So Call of Duty would take up a good almost a third of your base hard drive for the PS5. Yeah, and I've said it before. I think the M.2 solid state needs to be standard going forward. It really it should have been standard from the get-go. One, cuts down on size. I mean, when we take a look at these consoles, they're freaking ridiculously sized. The, the 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 Series X, I mean, was joked that it looked like a mini fridge so much that Microsoft actually made a mini fridge. Um the PlayStation 5 looks like the world's largest router. Uh, it just like the consoles are getting ridiculously sized. And yeah, mainly it's because of all that power uh, that it takes in to run the system. You have to have a large cooling surface as well and cooling fans. And that's kind of where the size is coming from. But an M.2 is going to help you shrink the overall profile. Plus, M.2s have gotten ridiculously great when it comes to storage and how fast they load. Um, you know, you know, I I use my M.2 for all the games that I play on a regular basis that, that I need to have quick load speeds, you know, 
I, I need the files to upload in those games real quick as I'm playing, like your World of Warcraft, stuff like that, like League of Legends. Uh, Grand League of Legends isn't that, isn't that graphically intense, but still. Um, like, in a console, that's going to cut down load times. That's going to cut down, uh, you know, in reality, like, it's even going to cut down how much you need to load from the cloud, which is where some of those load times do come from. Uh, granted, I know, you know, they want to get away from making you, like, preload parts of the game or all of the game or whatever. But in reality, when you have the game on your hard drive, it runs faster and runs smoother because you're not worrying about an Internet connection. So there is that. M.2 solves a lot of those issues. Uh, so I do expect that to be the golden standard going forward. We're going to get rid of the uh, solid-state drives, which are small, but nowhere close to small as an M.2. Yeah, as John said, more storage space, faster storage, and these suckers are pretty small as well. I mean, we're talking like just a little bit of a slit here, almost like a RAM drive is kind of what it looks like. Uh, so nothing too, too crazy size-wise either. Uh, on top of that, with the storage update, the Dolby update, they also got a bunch of UI improvements and some quality of life changes. Nothing really big to write home about here, but uh, you can now mute the PS5 beep sound. Uh, a lot of people very stoked about that, not having to hear that noise being turned on and off. Uh, now they can stealth turn on their console and turn it off. Uh, on top of that, Sony's offering up the option to simply change the beep volume too. So maybe you are you really like that beep noise, but you don't quite want it as high, or maybe you want it higher, who knows? Uh, the option is now there for you to choose that. Some other options include haptic feedback when you move around the menu. Uh, in case you want that nice little vibration as you're moving from play game to stop playing game, uh, now you have that option as well, as well as a number of other ones. Uh, including assigning a second controller to profiles and other things in between. So if you guys want to check that out, again, that is a PS5 beta update coming here pretty soon. Next up in the news is Nintendo. John, we have talked about the the sequel to the Switch, the Switch successor, the Switch 2, whatever this project is going to be from Nintendo. For God, it feels like two years now. We're finally getting closer and closer as supposedly, according to VGC, key partners have received development kits at this point. Those key developers being kind of those publishers, those bigger name developers out there, uh, as well as more firsthand Sony partners now getting a hold of those PlayStation kits, or I mean Nintendo kits rather. I'm sorry, Nintendo. Um, I'm reading PlayStation in this article as I'm going. Um, but overall, yeah, so I mean, this is something we always see when it comes around to new consoles, whether it's a mid-gen refresh, whether it's a complete refresh of the device, they start to ship out to some of those bigger partners, then they start to wheel out to some of the smaller partners, and eventually everyone who's going to be developing games for said console is going to get their hands on it. Uh, this one in particular in the news a little bit more than what we've seen of previous Xbox and PlayStations for mid-gen refreshes because Nintendo is on their own little calendar. Uh, they do not launch around the same time as the new PlayStations and Xboxes. Rather, they kind of split the difference somewhere in the middle of the years of a console generation for the other two. So now this is their time to kind of say, hey, the Nintendo Switch has sold an ungodly number of units at this point, setting many, many records out there. Now we want to start moving people onto our next-gen device, which, according to rumors, again, will be on the power level of what we see from the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. So nothing crazy new in terms of hardware capability, but again, it seems like a lot of the Switch titles aren't really demanding that heavy graphic power outside of a few third-party ones that have to stream via cloud. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on, again, we saw the OLED, I believe, last year, now potentially a brand-new Switch piece of hardware. Yeah, I mean, there have been rumors for a while that Nintendo's been working on uh, either like like a, a pro version, if you will, of a Switch or like the, the next iteration of it. 
Um, this is, I mean, this makes complete sense. I mean, with handhelds, um, you can't, you don't really have the upgrade capabilities like you do with full fledged, full sized consoles where you have things that are like locked behind, uh, you know, software updates that, you know, are pre built in there. And then you can kind of unlock it as you go. Um, it's really, really hard to just do software updates on a handheld like that. So, uh, I feel like for handhelds, you have a shorter life cycle when it comes uh, to your your generations, if you will. And I, I think Nintendo's smart by kind of keeping it fresh. I mean, the Switch has been around for quite a bit, too. I mean, the Seven Switch, years, John. I did not yeah. realize that long, but seven years. Yeah, and that's, that, that's a long time just in video game consoles in general. I mean, seven the seven-year mark is when we really started to hear, you know, even PlayStation and uh, Microsoft uh, start talking about their next generation of consoles uh, that would come out in year 10 and 11 of the last generation. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it, this is right around that same time, you know, seven, eight years, even for handheld, you get a nice full refresh uh, there from Nintendo, whether it's going to be a, another version of a Switch or something completely different, who knows. Um, but uh, I feel like the, the Switch is in a good spot right now, uh, and I feel like the Switch is going to be around a lot longer. I just, my my biggest fear is, is I don't want them to do the same thing they did with the, with the uh, Nintendo GameCube, because uh, the, the GameCube was one of those consoles where, like, even to this day, Smash tournaments still t- take place on GameCubes. Uh, they they need to be able to, like, find a way to, c- to continue supporting these other consoles, these other handhelds as well, uh, and not just be like, okay, cool, you're in the past now, we're going to forget you and try to force everyone to upgrade, but also at the same time, like, realize there's a massive, massive scene several generations back that we're just going to completely neglect as well. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I don't think I don't think Nintendo's going to learn from their past. I think they're going to do the same damn thing. Uh, they're going to leave everyone else behind, uh, which is normal because they want to force people to upgrade and people are going to do it. And they're going to pay the same $60, $70 for the same game that's ported to the new console. Uh, again, because they want to play it on the new console. Simple as that. Nintendo just beats to the beat of their own drum. I mean, we've said it before. Yeah. We've said it again. Freaking older games on Nintendo still sell for more than what they were originally priced. And it's been like that for feels like over a decade at this point. On top of that, again, like kind of running their own cycle. They're not at the whims of what a Sony or a Microsoft does. They don't really compete head on with a new PlayStation or a new Xbox. They're just like, hey, sure, release your mid-gen stuff. We have a completely different audience of, I, again, I don't even know how many people have Switches at this point, but I feel like it is in the 100 plus millions, maybe even closer to 200 million at this point. Um, but it is a lot of people at the very least, and they still continue to sell extremely well. Now, with that being said, projected for this fiscal year, uh, they are projecting hardware to drop 16.5% and then software to drop 15.9%. Uh, so 165 and then 159 hardware and software respectively. That does seem like numbers where you start to see this ballooning kind of drops where it might be the perfect time to release something new. Now, John, out of curiosity, again, this is this new hardware is rumored to be on the level of the Xbox One and PS4. How much are you willing to pay for that? Because I feel like for me, I'm like, I had that hardware 10 years ago by the time this thing launches. Do I really want to pay for 10-year-old hardware? But at the same point, it's Nintendo. That's the only place you can get your Pokemon games, your Zelda games, your Mario games. So it is still tempting, but it's just it's not super tempting because the hardware is so behind. So I, I feel like people tend to forget that handheld gaming console software 
is going to be generally behind uh, your current full-size console just because you have to be able to, one, put all that power in a smaller device. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a handheld device that has the power of an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4 I, I think is great. I, I, th- I think it's fantastic. I, I think that's where it needs to be. Um, the current Switch, I would probably argue it's maybe PS2, maybe early PS3 when it comes to just graphics and just overall gameplay and power in general. So I, I think it is the next step up. I mean, I feel like the technology has advanced enough that you can put that kind of power in a smaller device and still have people excited that they can have PS4 slash Xbox One quality uh, power and graphics in a handheld device that they can take on an airplane, that they can take on road trips, that they can take to a convention show when they're sitting in a line uh, to get, to go into uh, their, their next uh, panel or something. So I, I, I think I'm okay with it. I don't think it's going to be necessarily something that everyone should upgrade from the current Switch from just because the, 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 the difference between the two, like the difference between the PS3 and the PS4 I would argue wasn't as great as the difference between the PlayStation 1 to the PlayStation 2. Then the 2 to 3 was pretty big also, but from 3 to 4, it wasn't that big. It Don't get me wrong, it was, still, it was still a good upgrade. It wasn't that big of an upgrade. Just like what we saw from like the last generation of Xbox to Xbox Series S and X, yes, there's an upgrade, but at the end of the day, is it a massive upgrade? Not in comparison from like the original Xbox to the Xbox 360 was. Uh, but it was an upgrade, just not a massive one. So, I don't know. Like, to me, in my mind, I'm treating this like how I'm treating my my Apple Watch and my iPhone. I upgrade my watch and iPhone every two years on an every other year cycle. So, this year, uh, I up, so last year I upgraded my Apple Watch. This year, I'm upgrading my iPhone. Um, so, that's on a two-year cycle kind of thing. So, if you have a Switch, I think you're in a good spot. I don't think you have to upgrade. But you may want to based upon just if it's like improved battery life or improved networking or whatever it comes out with. We'll have to see the specs. I think the interesting thing for me, if this wasn't Nintendo, I think this would flop hard. And the main reason being because there's so much more competition in the handheld market today than there was when it initially launched. I mean, you look at handhelds in the past and you already mentioned a Game Boy was big. That's Nintendo owned. DS was big. Again, Nintendo owned. Today, you're going up against the Steam Deck. You're going up against the Asus uh, Ally. You're going up against whatever Lenovo is creating. And these are things that are pushing graphic power that's better than the Xbox One, better than the PS4, because it's legitimately PC hardware built into that. So I think there is some more competition in the market. But again, this is where the X factor of Nintendo being Nintendo comes in. They do have those first-party IPs that will push console hardware forward, regardless of how bad it is. They also have that kind of, um, I don't even know what I call it, like family factor, where families just automatically think Nintendo is a cleaner platform, albeit the store is the, uh, <laughs> the store is definitely the most rated R of any of the three consoles, if you really dig deep into it. Um, with that being said, those are not the things that make the news. It's the Mario games, it's the Legend of Zelda games, it's the Sonic games, uh, whatever it may be as far as those Nintendo first party as well as partnerships come to the platform. So, yeah, I don't think people look at Nintendo necessarily as I want this to be a great graphic machine. They just think I want this to be a family machine, and that is where Mario is, and he's family-based. And I really think that's just the strength of Nintendo right now. That and just the years and years of handheld service that they've given people through the Game Boy. 
Anything else, Nintendo, before we slide on over to our next set of news? Bring back the Sega Game Gear. Hey, Phillies are up. I think that's what that means, right? 5-0 Phillies. I'm always sure, nervous I'm gonna, as a I'll, Phillies I'll, fan. I'm going to go ahead and time him <laughs> out real quick because we, we can't have Phillies slander in here. Uh, Absolutely not. When we I see Phillies next to a zero, I'm like, mm, I think I'm reading this as 5-0 Phillies up. But you just never know with that team. Uh, well, watching well, considering he just trying to field balls, considering he just tweeted "God bless Alec Bohm," I'm I'm guessing uh, he did something good. Oh, maybe a little uh, grand slam action. So hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, we'll see. We'll wait to see what chat says over there. Uh, next up in the news is Discord and Xbox. One thing I have enjoyed doing lately is hopping over to my Xbox to play a little bit while hanging out on Discord since that update dropped. Unfortunately, there are two downsides. One, if I do that, I can't watch John play WoW, which is super unfortunate. And two, if I'm playing a game on there, it's not easy for me to share the screen unless I have to go through my capture card. And I don't really want to do that every single time. So Xbox said, Joey, we've got your back. We're going to bring screen sharing to your console. Unfortunately, that does not mean I can watch John play WoW on my Xbox just yet, but I am imagining a day where we get a little picture-in-picture. I get my little picture of John playing WoW up here. Maybe I can customize how big it is, what the opacity is. I don't know. Um, But for now, I will have the ability to screen share to those in the Discord call. Um, So pretty excited to test that when it does roll out to Insiders later this week. Any other thoughts on Discord, Xbox, and the improvements there? Oh, one more thing. Uh, PlayStation and Discord, you guys have heard about that relationship and how it's continued to grow. This feature is not there yet, but you can very much likely promise that it'll be there within the next three months as well. Anything else? Discord, streaming, good times on console? Uh, yeah, I could care less about Discord on console. I don't use it. Um, <laughs> I- I'm not going to lie. Like, If I'm going to be on Discord uh, and I'm on my console, I'm going to do it through my phone because I can use my AirPods then. That's, that's as simple as that. It's fine. I know you do a very good job with like transitioning back and forth. I'm very impressed by you. <laughs> Even though mine I, I, is I, right next to it, this mic arm, I just like mm, I just want to switch over. Plus the surround sound is very good on console when you plug into the actual controller, so I kind of miss that when I don't do that. Um next up, Xbox, one more thing and then oh, kind of two more things. Uh Xbox is planning its biggest booth ever for Gamescom. Also hearing some rumors about some pretty big plans for the Tokyo Game Show this year as well in September. Uh Gamescom is kind of your big event in August and typically the biggest gaming event of the year over in Europe. Uh there's presences usually from Xbox, Nintendo and PlayStation, but none of them really go all out. I think the biggest thing we've seen, we saw um it was a big Gears of War reveal from Xbox in the past. During the opening game night live where we have Jeff Keighley come on stage, does a summer game fest like thing for Gamescom. Uh, and we did see, I think it was Horde mode announced there, as well as the new escape mode for Gears of War. I don't know too much about the presence of Xbox in the live show, um, but what they did give us details on was what the game floor is going to look like. And John, they are freaking going giant, like absolutely giant. The rumors were more than true. They're going to have over 30 titles available in the booth. We're talking 150 PlayStations, or gaming stations, rather, um, and then some photo op opportunities and experiences, and a specially constructed 300-seater theater as well. I'm just imagining this booth, John. 150 PlayStations, a 300-seat theater. Yeah, 300-seater theater theater is literally how it's put in this press release. I I do not understand why. It may be a European thing. Who knows? Uh, DOS theater. Um, overall, I mean, this is a very, very big booth. Um, there's a lot going to be there. 25 titles from third-party publishers. On top of those first-party games, they'll also be available for demoing. We have some 
presentations. It has listed Starfield, Forza Motorsport, Ara History Untold, which is one I believe that was on your list, Sean, as well. Uh, Towerborn and then the Elder Scrolls Online and Microsoft Flight Simulator will all be there for presentations as well. As far as the third-party partners go, some of the ones they listed, you have Game World, Stalker 2, Payday 3, Don't Nods recently announced Just Ant, From Software's Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, Recreate Parties, Party Animals, CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty Expansion, Quantic Dreams, Under the Waves. Oh, I did not know that was coming to Xbox. Uh, and then Sega Atlas's Persona 5, Tactica, and more. Uh, you have Lamplighters League, Thunderful, Steam World Build, Amplifiers, Lightyear, Frontier, and I'm not going to keep listing them, but there are a lot uh, <laughs> in here overall. I listed way more than I was expecting to because there's just too many games. Uh, but yes, 30 titles, 300 Cedar Theater, uh, photo opportunities and 150 game stations. Um, John, my question to you, I mean, this is obviously a giant presence. Uh, why is Xbox doing this? Why are they deciding now to put all this money in Gamescom? Is it because the Activision Blizzard deal looks like it should go through around this time and they want to just bump the advertising while they're in the news over there in Europe? Is it because Starfield is just going to be that big of a launch? Is it because they're that far behind in console sales that they need to do something? Uh, what do you think really pumps all this funding in this year of all? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes to everything you said. It's a combination of uh, trying to convince the 5,000 cloud gamers in England uh, to contact the CMA to tell them to give the thumbs up to the deal so they can close. Um, I do think uh, it is a combination of the Activision Blizzard deal uh, looking like it is going to go through. That's going to be absolutely massive. There's a large population of European gamers in the Activision Blizzard ecosystem. Uh, so that's going to be a big thing. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, when it comes to console sales outside of North America, the Xbox struggles. I mean, it still struggles in, in, in North America also, but not as close as it does outside of North America. In Europe and Asia and South America and Africa, all, all the other continents, uh, PlayStation rules supreme. Even in North America, PlayStation still has the edge, but it's, it's, a, it's a closer gap. Uh, this is going to be a great way to showcase Starfield. That's going to be a big, big uh, player for Microsoft, for Xbox. Uh, the game is receiving a lot of hype for just reasons. Hopefully it doesn't flop. Uh, but yeah, you have the Activision Blizzard deal going through. Uh, you have that. You have the console wars continuing. Uh, we're seeing... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it was, it's kind of a weird time because, like, I really don't want to bash Sony because Sony's kind of pretty much admitted defeat in this whole thing with Activision Blizzard. Uh, they've already signed on to that 10-year deal for Call of Duty, uh, so they're kind of just ready to move forward. And I feel like Microsoft has kind of taken this stance over the last couple of years that they're going to do this as a way just to, like, promote gaming in itself and kind of be, like, the good cop, if you will. Um so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a good move by uh, Microsoft uh, to go massive at Gamescom. I think it's going to be big for the European market. I think it's going to be big for gamers in general. And I, I think that's why they're doing it is because, like you said, the Activision Blizzard deal behind in the console sales and Starfield. All those reasons are valid reasons why they're going to Europe to essentially blow their entire 2023 marketing budget in, in one showcase. And I think it's a good move. 
Yeah, it definitely feels like a lot of funding for that marketing budget is going into this. Now, with that being said, there are rumors and people are getting nervous about them. Supposedly, and we do at least know from the press release that Starfield will be there. There will be at least some kind of presentation on it for the crowd there at the booth as well. Uh, with that being said, we don't know if Starfield will be a playable demo. And some different outlets are reporting that it might not be there as a playable demo. Uh, if you're a Starfield fan, are you getting nervous about that with this kind of being so close to the release date? Uh, we're looking, I think this is, I want to say it's like one week, maybe two weeks out from when Starfield will release. No, uh, I, I don't think it's... So here's my thing. You build up the hype for Starfield. If if you put out a playable demo, you will have to restrict the absolute crap out of that demo, and you have to make sure everything in that demo is working 100%. Uh, but then you also have the possibility of, uh, depending upon how much of the game is playable in that demo, uh, people talking about it, put it on social media, talking about what they like, what they don't like, possible early game spoilers, again, depending upon what part of the game you have. If you have any kind of playable anything, you're building a ship or you're, you're building a base. That's all you get access to is being able to build and seeing the customization options. I personally would not allow gameplay for Starfield, uh, and I don't think that should make anyone nervous. It's just helping build that hype. I mean, how many times have we seen, and we can go all the way back to back when video games were being played on demo mode uh, in Walmarts and Targets. You go into the gaming section, you have the little controller, you have the little kid you're looking up like that, uh, you know, playing the game, but it only lets you play through one level. Uh, those were completed levels uh, on the N64, on the Sega Genesis, on the PlayStation, on the Xbox. Those were completed restricted levels that had zero bugs in it that was completed 100%. But then when you see more demos coming out, when you started to see bugs, especially in the live update era, or like the demos directly to your console, there were bugs, there were glitches, and that's what people started talking about. And all of a sudden, the hype would start to die down. Can you imagine if Gotham Knights, if they put out a decent-sized demo and people played it and was like, oh, this game's crap. It, it, it took until... Like the week leading up when all the reviews came out and all the reviews said the same thing. This game is bad. The fighting mechanics are bad. The graphics look great. It's bad overall, though. Uh, and, you know, that's what killed the hype. Uh, if you put a demo out there, you can kill it even earlier. Uh, and again, not saying this is what's going to happen with Starfield, but that's a possibility. And I think Bethesda wants to keep the hype as long as possible. Yeah. And I mean, we saw some positives and some negatives from the Final Fantasy uh, 16 demo that came out as well. Some fans getting super excited. Others are like, this does not feel like Final Fantasy. And again, it could be a similar situation here for maybe Fallout fans as well. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head, right? If you have such a big game like Starfield, a game that is already your top-selling game on Steam, a game that is already pulling in insane amounts of views every time something drops, it feels like you don't really want to spoil anything. If someone's over there, they're playing through a demo, and again, they can cut a demo a certain way, but you pull out conversation lines that could be spoilers. You pull out quests that could be spoilers. Something like that leaks on the internet. Then you dampen all those players who don't have that ability to be hands-on with the game yet. Then they're a little bit more disappointed going into launch. So I think, like you said, John, it's just so close to launch at that point, being a week, maybe two weeks away. You just don't want to have any of those spoilers get out on the internet and kind of dampen what could potentially be the excitement around the launch of that game. Uh, on top of that, I think... There, I mean, the trend today, if we're being honest, is to have a giant day one patch. 
I yes. think Starfield will have a giant day one patch. Maybe not cyberpunk sized, um, but it is going to be <laughs> a pretty sizable day one patch, I could imagine. So that's another thing. Maybe some bugs got squashed. Like John was saying, bugs can completely ruin a marketing campaign for a game. If this bug is going to be squashed on day one, but in this playable demo that's actually from three months ago, it's not quite squashed, then you're going to have players like, ah, oh, Starfield's a buggy mess. Da, 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 da. So I, I do. I completely agree with you. I think you avoid a lot more potential downsides by not doing a demo a week or two weeks before your actual game launch than just kind of letting it spill out as it's meant to at this point. Yeah, and two, when you make a demo, you're essentially making a mini version of the game. Like, you're not just taking code from the game and putting it onto a thumb drive and shipping it out. You have to have a beginning. You have to have an end. You have to have... Uh, a menu sequence and there's a lot of things that go into it it's essentially a mini game in itself uh in a game as massive as starfield is again just a reminder thousands of planets we're talking uh you know just gameplay that will last for eons will last past your mortal life it feels like <laughs> uh it the, the game just has so much that to try to narrow it down into a demo a game like Starfield doesn't make sense to do that because then you kind of really miss the point. That demo is going to have to be able to tell a story of what you can expect. How can you make a 15, 20-minute demo from a game that is literally the size of the Milky Way in itself? It, it just doesn't make sense. Well, and I think that's another good point too, right? Like, as you said, demos are going to take extra energy from your development team. If I'm the Starfield team right now, I'm trying to polish as much as I can. I'm trying to squash those last bugs, maybe add that last side quest in here and there, do whatever I need to do to get it to full 100% shipping capability. If you're pulling, I don't know, 10 devs, 15 devs off of the project to go work on this side demo for Gamescom, that again, might not land as well as you want it to at there. Uh, it's just, it feels like resources not utilized to the best potential angle. At that point, if you're two weeks out from the game launch, most people watching either the video in the 300-seater theater or, or whatever are going to just be buying the game anyway or they're not going to be buying the game. At that point, decisions are probably being made. Heck, maybe they win Game Pass there and they're like, I'm just going to try it anyway. I don't care what it looks like. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people are going to think as well. You have so many Game Pass users out there, 25 million plus at this point. It is no skin off their back. They're already paying for the subscription. Why not just download it and play it? And I think that's one thing we're going to see as well where you don't really have to have as many hands-on demos for these Game Pass games because the player base is already there at launch. Instead of saying, hey, I got to sell these copies first, they're already sold. Someone already bought that monthly subscription, so the capability of downloading it is much, much easier than it used to be as well. Yeah, 100%. And, and also, that goes to a good point. You don't need demos anymore, especially when you have a, a subscription service. Game Pass is your like demo. Game Pass. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if, if you are curious about a game, you don't have to download a demo to see if you like it or not download the game if you don't like it just freaking delete it it's as simple as that there are several games joey that i know for a fact you and i both have downloaded with zero intent in the past to have ever played it but you know what? you know like you know what we don't have to pay 60 bucks for it i mean we've heard some people like it this might be a little cool and then boom next thing we know turn up boys evading taxes i knew you were and gonna say that. It, it was such a great game uh, and now he's like robbing a bank. Like it's absolutely insane. Good old Turnip Boy. It, it is Turnip Boy, right? It's, yeah, yeah Turnip, Turnip Boy. Something yeah. tax evasion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Commits you know, I mean, it, it's stuff like that. Like you want to play a game, download it and play it. You don't have to worry about playing a demo and then trying to make a legitimate 
uh, you know, decision whether you want to have the game or not based upon a 10-minute demo that was taken out of the game that's technically 45 minutes into the game. It, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it, it, de- that's the thing. Demos aren't necessarily the first 10 minutes of a game. It's usually 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes of a game if it's a story-driven game. That's usually after the intro quest, after the story has already started. It just kind of picks up in one section that doesn't spoil anything. And then you're supposed to make a decision after that. No. Game Pass. Just download the game, play it from start to finish, or start to the point where you're like, hey, I really just don't like this game, and then get rid of it. Simple as that. And yes, it's turnip as in the vegetable. Turnip as a vegetable, yeah. Not turnip boy. But uh, turnip boy is not too bad either. I I like that, Dan. (laughs) That game was just so funny. I still remember when you pulled it up. You're like, I'm just going to randomly download a Game Pass game. And you found that one on your search, and... I mean, we both played through it. It's hilarious. It now has a sequel, so enough people played it. Uh, It is it's quite the special game, to say the least. We call that the level up effect. Yeah, there you go. That's definitely (laughs) one way to put it. It's not those millions of subscribers of Game Pass. It's purely the level up level up listeners. They heard it from the podcast, Joe, and they're like, "Hey, we have to go download this because because Fiasco and Courtside played it." So, so of course. I just you were giggling like a child playing through that game. It was so funny. Oh my god, it was so good. It was so good. It is so funny. Uh, such a great game. Definitely go check that one out. I think it's still on Game Pass uh, for those on Game Pass. It might even be on PS Plus as well. Definitely check it out. Uh, if not, it's not probably super expensive. It's an indie game, so it probably runs 10 bucks, 15 bucks maybe at most. Not too, too crazy out there. Uh, last but not least on Starfield, it has also been tagged with the Xbox Play Anywhere tag. What does that mean, you ask? Well, if you buy your digital copy through the Microsoft Store, either on the Xbox console or on the PC, uh, a Windows platform preferably, then you will have the ability to play that license on both platforms. You can start your character creator on PC, and then as John goes through the night and still hasn't finished his character, he can roll into his bed and switch over to the Xbox, and it will be cross-save capable as well. So you can do thing. all of that joint license as long as you purchase through the Microsoft Store for that, it sounds like. Joey, that, that, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I thing. could see that potentially happening. It's uh, going to happen. It's the sad <laughs> part. I know for a fact it will happen. I like the, the way my place is set up, like it's going to happen. Like my Xbox controller is literally right here. It will happen. Yeah, it's just super convenient. Just move from one to the other and relax and uh, get off of the crazy Discord call that might be happening. And then just slide right in there, do your thing, maybe come back later, who knows? But yes, it sounds like it'll be pretty transferable between the two with cross-save enabled as well. Uh, Next up, just a quick shout-out before we move over to Baldur's Gate, where there's crazy things happening with bears and bedrooms. Uh, Achievement (laughs) Hunters. (laughs) Uh, There is a... There is a fun entry-level event that just launched on True Achievements. You have 30 days to complete it. Highly recommend checking it out. For those here on Twitch, we can flash a quick picture of it. Uh, It is Genre Bingo. Uh, It's kind of like a little bit of a bingo card. It'll pop up once you enable yourself into the contest. You'll be... Uh, you get your little free middle square as usual with bingo, and then every other square across this five by five grid is going to be a genre of a game. In order to fill in a square, you have to complete an achievement in the genre of the in the shown genre of said game uh, within the square. So some of these include sports games, some open world, beat 'em up, puzzle, platformers, all of the like. Uh, if a game falls under multiple categories, it counts as the first one to the left that you have not unlocked on the listing. So, like, um, 
Gosh, I can't even think of a game right now. Uh, but let's say your game is an action-adventure fighting game. Uh, if it's action-adventure and then fighting, it would count as action-adventure if you have not unlocked that yet. And then fighting if you did already unlock an action-adventure game. Again, you guys can read more rules on TrueAchievements.com. Uh, but if you've ever kind of wanted to jump into a little achievement hunting contest, this is a very easy one to jump into. All you have to do is get one horizontal line, one vertical line, or one diagonal line to earn your Boy Scout-esque badge for the event as well. Uh, so pretty easy, fun little intro stuff there. Uh, now, John, over to Baldur's Gate after we had a nice little laugh on that one. Uh, this is something that is kind of going around as well. So obviously we touched on these Starfield concerns. This is the next concern slate. Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be an absolutely ginormous game. Again, very similar to Starfield. But with this one in particular, we've seen no review scores or preloads. And it doesn't sound like there's going to be any coming out until the actual launch of the PC game coming later this week. So no prior review scores in the past uh, and possibly in this situation as well uh, that has been a big concern for people. Usually when there's no review scores before the actual launch of the game, it's not a good sign at all. Uh, however, I think this game was originally supposed to launch in September. It got bumped up a full month for the PC launch. And I feel like that is the big driving factor here for no review scores until launch day, just because it's such a giant game and critics just got their hands on it. Uh, and I really think that is going to kind of be the driving factor here, and the game will still land very, very well overall. Uh, with that being said, again, in the past, when this typically happens, it is not a good sign for the game. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Baldur's Gate 3 and these potential no-review scores before launch? Uh, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's because they moved it up for a full month. You're not going to have a lot of time for that review because of that very reason. Uh, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. I know it, it looks bad and people are going to perceive it as bad. Um, I don't think it's anything to worry about as of yet. Uh, there's some other things that have come out about this game that I think is a little sketch. <laughs> um, but other than that, I want to be worried uh, about... Is one no tall and hairy with some nice sharp claws? Uh, yeah, uh, something about druids and stuff that can happen in game that are just, you know... <laughs> Uh, that would make your 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 grandparents blush. Uh, so we'll just leave it there. The amount of excitement around that is just baffling to me. I'm like, is this really where we're gonna start cheering like crazy on social media over this? Like, hello. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Bears in bedrooms. I mean, it's just wild. Like that is really that game defining feature we've been waiting um, for. We argue about blades of grass and how sharp they look, contrast versus sharpness, and then I mean, we really Joey. want features like this. This is the same community that got excited about the sex scene in The Witcher when he was like in the bathtub and everything. Like, come on. Like, it's fascinating to me what people want in these games. I don't know. Maybe about, I'm traditional. I enjoy like fun gameplay. I enjoy the occasional good graphics here and there. Uh, the ability to do things with bears just is not really Joey, on my list. Joey hates the digital booty, is what it comes down to. Joey is a <laughs> hater of digital booty. And I respect that because because he's an IRL booty man, and that that's completely <laughs> fine. He's just not a digital booty guy, and that's completely fine. I mean, yeah, you you and your druid can <laughs> do what you want. Um, that is your choice, fam. Um, but yeah, it, it's fascinating. Again, I don't think there's any worries here as far as the review scores go. As far as the people with the bears go, that might be a concern of mine. Um, but as far <laughs> as review scores, I don't think there's anything too much to worry about. Uh, even though they aren't coming out until launch. If you're really that concerned, you can just wait an extra day or two. 
Maybe you don't pre-order it. Maybe you wait for those review scores to drop Thursday night or whenever they drop. And then you say, hey, these are coming out well. I'll go ahead and purchase it now. That's completely fine. Do as you want to on that front. It's your money. But from my perspective, I'm really not too worried about this one. If you want to pre-order, I think you're probably still fine to pre-order. Um, again, it will be coming to PlayStation a little bit later. PC did get bumped up a month. PlayStation is going to launch in early September, um, right around that Starfield window, which should be a nice little competition for the platform there in terms of RPG. And then the Xbox version will launch either later this year slash early 2024. Uh, they've had a couple issues getting it to run as well as they would like on the Series S. So that's kind of holding things back a little bit on the development cycle because it is a small team developing for all these different platforms as well. Okay, last but not least, as we round out today's news, just to highlight a new studio, uh, they dropped a little teaser trailer this week, and it looks quite good. They're developing a AAA PvP-driven FPS game, and this team is made up of veterans from Respawn Entertainment, uh, known for stuff like Call of Duty 4 prior to moving over to the new company of Respawn. They were with Infinity Ward, and most recently, Respawn has done some other games you might know, like Apex Legends, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, all of that goodness, Bungie as well previous experience with Halo, then they moved on to Destiny being their most recent game, Blizzard Entertainment, probably some of the devs from the Overwatch team making their way over here, and then Naughty Dog, also known for some big stuff like, say, The Last of Us, the big game award-winning game uh, that's also made its way to TV via HBO recently as well. Uh, John, these are some pretty big veteran names involved with this studio, and at least from our little teaser here, it looks like we might have a tax shooter coming in. Uh, with that being said, we haven't really seen too many tax shooters on console, so I'm curious if this will be PC only or if it'll be making its way to console. Uh, if it is PC only, it's probably going to be competing head-on with Valorant and CSGO, which is going to be quite the opponents to take on in its debut yeah. for a studio. Uh, but who knows? I mean, so far we're just kind of seeing little abilities and a little bit of kind of like Valorant-style graphics, but we really don't know too much else other than that. Joey, my, my first impression of this video is Apex and Valorant had a love child. Mm. Um, it Honestly, that's honestly what it looks like. It, it looks like, uh, like even the art style looks like a combination of, of both games. Mm. And that's what it screams out to me is that it's, it's Apex and Valorant. Um, fun fact, uh, it's already a better shooter than Overwatch 2. Uh, so, <laughs> so we'll say that already. Uh, just based upon this quick 16-second clip. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, so they're already coming in, in like in like fourth place because like Overwatch is holding position like dead last to like 10. So, you know, that's all Overwatch too, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, I think my concern is I can't imagine playing attack shooter well on console. I mean, you and I were hard enough at playing attack shooters on PC, but can you imagine like you? playing <laughs> that very slow analog stick movement on console and then trying to have that pinpoint aiming while doing that as well on an analog stick? I mean, you're going to have to have some Enjoy. pretty sticky-ass, fast-aim action on there. Like, I, I can hear it now. That's tough. Grant from the Washington Justice is playing with us, and he's screaming and criticizing my crosshair on this game already. He is screaming and yelling at me for my, my aim being slightly lower than the horizon on the game uh, for, for, for not aiming higher up or anything I, I can already hear the yelling so i will be passing on this game because i am trying to avoid grant yelling and screaming at me 
I mean, it's just, yeah, I can't get over the auto-aim thing. The aim assist has got to be insane to make this. Has Again, we don't know where it's launching. It could just be PC, and that would just make sense as well. But if you do launch it on console, that aim assist has got to be extremely strong for something like this. And then with that being said, do you allow crossplay? Can people play with PC gamers and console? Because that's already pissing off a lot of communities like your Apex, <laughs> your Call of Duty, uh, your Halo communities that have to play up against those very strong aim assist controller players versus PC that, yes, they get their pinpoint aiming with a mouse, but the auto-aim stickiness is just so high in some of these games. And that, to me, is a big worry point, especially when it comes to tax shooters. So, again, at least from the anime, somewhat inspired graphics we see here from the very similar Apex meets Valorant kind of art style as well. Uh, it looks like this game at least visually looks pretty appealing the abilities are kind of teased a little bit here as well so i think there is some stuff to look forward to but again we don't know the platform yet we don't know the name of the game uh, it looks like some sort of hero shooter probably in the tactical genre but other than that we're just kind of going off the teaser for now you guys can check out that teaser as well over at it's mountaintop is the twitter handle or the x handle rather uh if you guys want to check out mountain studios and their newest teaser mountaintop studios excuse me um, other than that, John, I think that just about wraps up today's news. I don't think there's too, too much else to cover. Again, we are doing this a little bit early. It is Wednesday night uh, for those listening to the podcast later down the line. Hopefully, we'll get this out for you later tonight slash tomorrow. Um, but overall, it's, it's been a pretty packed gaming news week so far. We've got quite a bit of genre, um, I don't know, variety going on here. Uh, as I hear the sound starting up in the background, John, take us into the closing. <laughs> I was just doing it for effect, Joe. I wasn't trying to play you off the stage or anything. You know, it's not like your your <laughs> award speech is taking 15 minutes to get through. Hey. Uh, but, Nation, that will do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch and catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. The Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, while it's still around, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much, Joey. There are a whole heap of ways you can reach out to us. What are those ways? Absolutely, guys. Head over to Facebook and previously Twitter, now X, and find us at OTN Media. You can also find us on Instagram and threads, as long as it's still around, uh, at OTN underscore media. And last but not least, hit us up with a follow over here on Twitch as well, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. We very much appreciate any kind of prime subs or regular subs you want to send our way as well. This show level up typically Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time and other streams throughout the week. All right. Make sure you tune in next week, Thursday, August 10th, tentatively. As we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news, do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. And remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always... Level, Level up. up.